0: I'm going to kick it off for you today, Romans 10, and uh, a simple verse, but a significant verse. In fact, it might have been one of the first verses you learned as a Christ follower, and I'm just going to take a portion of it, a slice of it today, but uh, I, think it's, I think it's significant. I really, I don't want to overstate it. I, you know, I'm always a little bit concerned when pastors and teachers and leaders perhaps embellish or overstate things, but I really do sense um, the importance of the messages and and the urgency and our need to hear it. And so I hope that will resonate with you too spiritually. That's just not my talk, but that resonates with you spiritually. Uh, Romans 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, verse 11, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. The slice of the piece that I want to talk about today and that we'll continue to talk about is where it simply says there, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. The apostle Paul is writing to a Gentile church with a strong Jewish influence or flavor and Paul is is talking about a a whole lot of things in Romans and I preached a series on this through Romans last spring if you remember and I was talking about the fact that the main point of Romans is that everybody equally Jew or Gentile is justified by grace through faith That's the big message in in Romans. There's lots of other things that are said that are really significant. But that's the big thing. And, And in Rome, back in the good old days, you know, 2,000 years ago, a common saying that you would have heard on the streets throughout the Roman Empire is simply this, Caesar is Lord. In fact, as the church begins to strengthen and the church becomes... An unintentional rival to to Caesar and to the Roman throne there is a a faith test that the Romans began to put on Christians uh, officials and citizens that they thought were Christians and once a year at some of the temples or some of the feasts they would have people confess Caesar is Lord now, if you were a Christ follower in those days, that would be something that would be wholly objectionable, and you would never be able to say that out loud. But it was their way of, of sifting through and trying to figure out in those first 300 years before you know, Christianity is legalized in the Roman Empire, uh, how to weed out the Christians. And so Caesar is Lord. The Caesars themselves... Uh, the Augustans, the Juliuses, all of them thought that they were, you know, demigods or man gods, that they were sent on, you know, from on high, that they had some kind of supernatural or, or extraordinary ability. They, they never saw themselves simply as ordinary men, not even military rulers. And in their own minds, they, they had this feeling of a sense of greatness and, and being greater than other people, even in their own day. So Caesar is Lord would be heard all over the place. With our 21st century sensibilities, we do not easily call somebody Lord. Did a little reading last week. And in some parts of the world, there are people who are actually called Lords. In the British Parliament, there is a House of Lords. You and I have probably heard it or seen it on a movie or something like that. And it's usually people, men mostly, that are seated because of titles and lands that have been passed down uh, literally over the decades and the centuries. They are peerage titles. What does Lord mean? The Lord is an appellation for a person or a designation for a person or deity who has authority, control, or power over others, acting like a master or a chief or a ruler. To call somebody Lord, whether it's in the British Empire or at any other time or place on the planet, there is always some indication that someone is better than you smarter than you, richer than you, and certainly more privileged than you. Jesus himself, when speaking to the people of his time, mentioned that those who who have authority over them like to lord it over them. They have this special authority, this religious or this economic or this political authority, and the Jews were constantly... Accustomed to having things lorded over them in their day. So when the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, I think it's really important that we as Christ followers understand what it is to declare that Jesus is Lord and to understand the significance of that and that it is certainly not a title given to someone who doesn't deserve it, but is actually given to the only one who could ever deserve it. So, what makes Jesus Lord? Why does the Apostle Paul tell us to say, if we confess Jesus is Lord, we will be saved? Well, let me generalize. Let me just give you some things off the top before we we dig into this a little bit more. First of all, we understand from the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, he is king of kings, creator of the universe, or at least co-creator of the universe, son of man and son of God, sustainer of that creation, victor over sin, death, and the grave, just to name a few significant reasons. Let me break it down into our vernacular, if I may, for a moment. He is bigger, stronger, faster, smarter than you and I. He is Lord. When we say Jesus is Lord, Romans 10 and 9 tells us that as saved sinners, as those that have recognized the need for salvation, we begin our relationship with those three simple words. Jesus is Lord. Some would say, well, hey, Pastor, don't we start with the fact that Jesus is Savior, and we certainly understand that his name whether in Greek or in in the Hebraic language, Yehu means, of course, Savior. We understand all of that. Yahweh saves. But Paul tells us here that as Christ followers, the emphasis begins with the understanding of just who Jesus is as it relates to our relationship with him. Yes, of course, Jesus is Savior. Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be, of course, saved. The two go hand in hand. And I'm really not trying to split hairs here, but I do want to deal just with the three words today, Jesus is Lord, understanding, of course, that he's your Savior. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, for there is none righteous, not even one, But I think as we're moving along the pathway of our discipleship journey, we need to to have the foundational principle clearly understood in our hearts about the importance of Jesus being Lord. I say this in our Bible studies all the time. If you get Genesis right, meaning the first book of the Bible, it's a whole lot easier to get the rest of the Bible right. If I could add another truism, if as a Christ follower you understand the Lordship of Jesus properly, the rest of your life as a Christ follower should be clearer and easier. However, if you're only interested in Jesus as Savior and not as Lord, I think your walk with Jesus is going to have some potholes in it. Let me relate this as I can through some illustrations Let's say you're thinking about your marriage right now. How would you like it if your spouse referred to you as your cook, but not your lover? As your partner, as a maid or a butler, but not a friend? How would you like it if your relationship was defined with those that are closest to you, as simply as being defined by tasks that they do for us rather than the relationship or the love or the passion that they have for us. I don't think any of us would ever refer to our partner as our cook, but not our lover, our partner as our maid or our butler, but not our friend. And we wouldn't, of course, refer to anybody else that was close to us simply through the fact that they have done something for us. Relationships like that are incomplete and dysfunctional. People want to know what you feel for them, not just what you do for them. It's a hard concept for us sometimes as adults and young adults to confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We don't like being considered subservient, and when we refer to somebody as our Lord, it seems like it immediately puts us into this place in our minds and our hearts that somebody is greater or better or smarter than us. Not our boss, not our spouse, not anybody. It's difficult for us to call somebody Lord. But as a Christ follower, if you don't live with a proper understanding of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you will have a dysfunctional life. Only including Christ where you want him to be and not where he should be. And I think that's what happens to us sometimes when we get the focus on Jesus as Savior rather than Jesus as Lord. Let me explain that for you more in depth. This is what I want you to understand. Obviously, Jesus has to be our Savior. We get that. But sometimes on the the discipleship pathway, people, people don't move too far away from there. Some Christians don't get much further down the road than they've confessed Jesus as Savior. And they're very happy that Jesus died on the cross for them, and they're very happy that they're going to heaven. You've heard the expression, their ticket is punched. And they like to know that their eternal destination is booked and ready to go. And whenever Jesus comes back for us, you know, in a sense, the plane takes off. But if you stay there, if that's all you're interested in, you won't grow, you won't develop, you won't become the mature Christ follower that Jesus wants you to be and that you need to be in order to make a successful journey from the beginning of your salvation to the completion of it when our faith becomes sight. It's true, but it's sad. Not everybody completes the journey. There are all kinds of reasons for that. Too many to go into this morning. But not everybody completes the journey. Some people have a passing interest in Christ. Some people's love for Christ is like the morning dew. It appears for a while, and then it vanishes. There are people that you could think of right now that started off, maybe not with you, but in and around the time that you got saved, or you just know them, and that they were quick to receive Christ as Savior, but they weren't willing to spend much time in making Jesus Lord in their lives. And as life struck them, as there were the ups and downs of life and the ins and outs of life, they quit the journey. And the destination no longer became important to them, and Jesus no longer became important to them. And if it wasn't easy, they weren't interested. Sometimes there's an intellectual ascent, sometimes there's an emotional ascent. But if you don't get Jesus locked into your heart as being Lord, then it is something that very clearly dissipates. And so the Apostle Paul wants to address this. Look at the text again. If you declare with your mouth, the first thing the Bible tells us is that we need to make a declaration. It's not... The emphasis here, saints, isn't on you shout it out loud and something magical happens in the spiritual realm. You know, if you whisper, Jesus is Lord, it doesn't work. But if you shout, Jesus is Lord, it works better. That's not what he's getting at here. If you keep reading, and you ought to, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess the faith and are saved. So there's a few things going on here. There's an understanding in your mind and there's a connection with the Spirit where I am a sinner and and I need to be saved and I can't justify myself or make myself right before God through any religious acts or anything that I do that I must wholly throw myself on the mercy of Jesus Christ and his shed blood upon the cross for my salvation. And I accept that by faith. But at the same time, there's this understanding of that I believe it in my heart and I confess it with my mouth that in a sense ratifies the spiritual connection with my being, with my spirit, that this is true and real of me. I am a Christ follower and I declare it. I don't think an undeclared faith is any faith at all. I think that's why back in the good old days, even the pagans during the Roman times knew enough to challenge the Christians to say this, is Caesar Lord or is Jesus Lord? Because they knew there was something about the confession of saying it out loud that ratified it in the spirit. Do I really believe it or am I just along for the ride? Jesus is Lord. The Apostle Paul in another book of the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 gives us some spiritual insight. He he, he talks about this, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. Now don't over-spiritualize that. An unsaved person can say Jesus is Lord. It is not saying that only a saved person can say that. It can be said out loud and mean nothing. But then there is a spiritual dimension that we go to when we are Christ followers and we say Jesus is Lord that, again, locks something in in the spiritual realm in our hearts where we tell ourselves, I'm really into this guy. So let me ask you right now, before we go any further, are you really into this guy? You can read it you can hear it don't displace the spiritual dimension to this understanding jesus is the savior god's son firstborn creator sustainer victor over death there needs to be a deep spiritual understanding of all of the ramifications of what the lordship of christ means to simplify it as i've said in the past jesus is in charge of me if he's lord Jesus is where my help comes from no one is more interested in me than Jesus no one can help me more than Jesus can even the human and the godly eye that helps me gets its source in Christ and that you and I need to understand that we need to build our, our lives on this foundational principle that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord only Him First principle of a Christ follower. Let me deal with some of these things. Well, the first principle is understanding that Jesus is Lord. The second principle is this, or if there's the first principle, part B, is Jesus is not a flake. I don't know what your view of Jesus is. Many people have, you know, when they think of God or the Godhead or Christ or the Father many times they think of a uh, of an aging grandfather figure or someone who is young and pure but is purely sentimental and that there's not this understanding of someone who is king of kings and lord of lords sometimes jesus is perceived as someone that can be manipulated or or he can be used for our own goals and purposes Or sometimes that he isn't all that he says he's to be. I mean, we just have this this moving target of not really being sure who Jesus is. But one of the things that we are pretty convinced about sometimes is he's not somebody necessarily we want to follow. He's too much like trying to hit a moving target. We're just not really sure what he's about. Others feel that Jesus is a despot. So we say he's Lord, and the Bible says he's Lord, but some people say, well, he's flaky, and others say, well, he's a despot. I mean, who else would call himself Lord? Despot means tyrant. Caesars were tyrants. We have political rulers and military rulers, even in our day and age today, that are tyrants. But Jesus is not a tyrant. He's not using you to make his life better he's not trying to pad his own nest he's not trying to make his life more comfortable off of your backs or off of your money he loves you and cares for you more than you could possibly imagine he is neither flake nor despot nor is he something in between he is lord He is your wonderful Savior as well. But we go beyond getting your ticket punched for heaven and on to more mature things in Christ. He is not a creation of who we want Him to be. To know Him, you must see Him and learn from Him through the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, to get a better, more clear understanding of who He is. There must be a spiritual insight Paul himself in the letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1 tells us that we need to have the eyes of our heart expanded to see how wide and deep is the love of Christ that he has for us to those who believe. Again, it is not something that can be just easily grasped with the mind or, or even just reading a few good books about him, but there is a spiritual depth and insight that needs to happen in all of our hearts that we can just understand how much Jesus is into us. It's hard to believe. Like, we should be into him. And we should probably be way more into him than we are right now. But at the same time, the Bible clearly tells us that one of the things that God wants to reveal to us is just how much he loves us. Think about that. The one to whom we are to pledge our allegiance to and to call Lord. Not because he has power, not because he has might, not because he makes us, although he could, but it's because he loves us. Why is Jesus the only one that should be and could be called Lord? Now I thought about that. And I had all kinds of scriptures and I've I've read some of them to you, parts of them, without giving you the scriptural reference about being creator and sustainer and son of man and son of God, right? All of those things which are all very true and they're biblical revelation to us. And we know that he's victor over sin, death, and the grave. Go back and read 1 Corinthians 15 if you want. We know all of that to be true, right? All of those are good reasons to call him Lord. All of them. If it wasn't for his resurrection, we wouldn't have one. I mean, he's provided everything that we'll ever need for. So I thought about that. I thought, well, there's all kinds of great stuff. But why is he the only one? And yet still grounded in scripture. Let me say this to you. Jesus is Lord because no one can love you like he can. Some of us can be good parents, good teachers, good leaders, good bosses. Only Jesus can perfect being Lord. Even the best of us, we become enamored with ourselves, with our successes, with our gifts, with our talents, with our friendships. Only Jesus can be trusted with the fidelity of others. Only Jesus can love you like you ought to be loved other earthly leaders can be good but only Jesus can be great I think that's really important for us to understand as we're making our journey on discipleship we get hung up in personalities and we follow personalities I'm very aware that the apostle Paul says this and I may may go there in the scripture eventually I don't know Paul says follow me as I follow Christ right There's another passage in Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says, like, you know, some of you are into Apollos, and some of you are into Cephas, and some of you are into me. There's something about us that you like that attracts you to us. And Paul says this there should be none of that. There's one Lord. It's not about the pastors, it's not about the deacons, it's not about the Sunday school teachers, it's not about the musicians it's not about the singers it's not about any of that stuff there's one lord and his name is and it's his church it's not pastor brent's church it's not pastor adam's church it's not pastor jess's church it's not the board's church it's not even your church it's whose church and it's his church because he's the firstborn There would be no church if it wasn't for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He is the founder of the church. The church is his body. We are part of him. We are the church, but it's his church. Whether it's this building, or it's another building, or it's a group of people meeting under some palm trees somewhere in a warm climate, it's all his church. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Nobody else gets that kind of loyalty, folks, from us. Nobody else gets that fidelity from us. Nobody else deserves it. Be very careful about putting your trust in flesh, said the pastor. Said the pastor. Getting all wrapped up in personality, said the pastor. And all wrapped up in people's gifts and charisma and charm and winsomeness said the pastor. There's only one to whom you, your loyalty belongs, folks. His name is Jesus. And he will not share his glory with anybody else. And at the name of Jesus, there's going to be a time where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen? That's scripture. It's his church. When we come to church as new Christians, we see all the stuff that's going on, all the programs and the ministries and all the things that people are doing. And, and we, we we're attracted to that. And I think, you know, there's something good about that, but I think there's only good about something that to a point. Why are you here? Who are you trying to become like? Who matters to you the most? Who's shaping your life Sunday to Saturday? There's only one. Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Fall in love with Jesus. The first principle of a Christ follower is Jesus Lord. The second principle of a Christ follower, and I'm not sure I got these in order, You'd have a good theological argument to to, to contradict me on this. But work with me today, okay? Fall in love with Jesus. Don't fall in love with church. Don't fall in love with the programs. Don't fall in love with the pastors. Don't fall in love with the other personalities. Don't fall in love with your favorites. Fall in love with... With Jesus, Folks, I am not asking you to follow anybody but Jesus. I'm not asking you to pledge allegiance to anybody but Jesus. But if you're into this, then Jesus must be Lord. Quit playing around. Jesus is Lord or he's not. I, I can't help but get away from some of the teachings that I've done in the midweek and now where I'm, I'm doing my Bible reading just for myself and I love the prophets uh, the Old Testament prophets the Old Covenant prophets talk about the people of Israel you know going into the forest knocking down a tree uh, cleaning the tree up bring it to a craftsperson craftsperson put some jewelry and some silver and some gold in it I mean they do that stuff really nice and then you go and you pick up your God at Home Depot and carry it home with you. And God says to them, like, your your gods don't even have feet. Your gods don't have a mouth that they can talk. Like, if you don't pick them up and carry them to the next place, they can't do anything for you. And God says to the people of Israel, you would rather have pieces of wood covered in gold that you spent or silver and jewelry and some some kind of stone that you spent out of your own you know pockets and carry those gods or place them in your backyards or take them up to the high places and worship them you would rather do that than serve me now at the end of the day just how stupid is that Yet in the 21st century, we're still hewing stuff out of the forest, covering it with stuff that we think is important, and carrying that stuff wherever we go. And it's captured our hearts just as much as it did 3,000 years ago when they were called Baals and Asherahs. Fall in love with Jesus. What's your reason for coming to church today? What's your reason for working in church ministries? Why do you attend a small group? Why do you give tithes and offerings? Why do you go on missions trips? Why do you pray? Why do you read your Bible? And why do you share your faith? Why are you trying to live like Jesus? You know why? The only right answer is because Jesus loves you. It's the only right answer. That's the only thing that matters. You're not doing this for your spouse. You're not doing this for your mom or your dad. You're not doing this for your best friend. You're not doing this for me or for anybody else. We do this and we do it for Jesus. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Once we've confessed and believed, then we begin the journey to making sure Jesus is Lord. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus isn't Lord just because we confessed it. you got to make him Lord. It begins with a confession. I believe with that. But you've got to make him Lord. And you've got to make him Lord every day of your life. Every day you've got to renew the contract that I'm waking up tomorrow morning, we call it Monday here, and Jesus is Lord of my life all day Monday. And then when I wake up Tuesday, guess what? Jesus is Lord of my life on Tuesday. You know where this is going, right? I'll save you the, the walk. Every day, Jesus is Lord. There are going to come days where it's not going to feel comfortable or easy to declare that Jesus is Lord, but you are to journey with him because he's the only one that will ever love you the way you need to be loved and he's the only one that will ever take care of you the way you need to be cared for there's only one that can deliver and that's Jesus he died for you he saved you he's coming back for you he gives gifts to you as we've sung in other songs he puts the air in your lungs he's the only one folks let me wrap it up with this six words Jesus is Lord or Jesus is nothing let's pray